Welcome again to Conversations with Robbie Sherman. I got my friend Liam here with us from the new, the brand new <laughs> Chicago rock band Ben Chicken. Hey Liam, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Happy your, to be here. Your last name is Shandley, correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah. You're Irish, I believe. If that's for the a, most part. Okay, okay. That's a, yeah. I didn't know if that was a Scottish or Irish name. No, yeah, it's Irish. Oh, okay. uh, you know, a lot of Irish last names and Scottish last names are the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, yeah. you just burn things differently. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm really happy to have you here. Um, you've, I've known you for a couple of years. You've been in a right. couple, you've been in a couple of really cool bands. I've enjoyed the work of. We've had a Thank lot of so mutual much. friends. I'm, I'm so I, we recorded an episode for my first season, but I just couldn't get it all together between editing and then I lost the entire file. So I'm so sorry about that, friend. <laughs> Honestly, I I was like a nervous wreck that day. I don't know why. So honestly, no great loss to me. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you don't, uh, you don't have to worry about being nervous here, pal. Low stakes. I, I, I'm much. I'm a lot more prepared this time. I'm a lot more calm. Wonderful, wonderful to hear. <laughs> yeah, you sound like you're, you know, feeling good. Uh, you should feel good about the record. I went through it I, a couple of times today just to kind of come up with ideas, and yeah, I, everything should be good. Well, thanks. Yeah, I, I do feel great about the record. I'm, I'm very proud of it. Yeah, I'm really impressed by how well everything is engineered and put together. Everything is super clear. Um, I gotta say, the guitar tones are very interesting. They kind of shift back and forth between very crystalline uh, chordal melodies and then like intense, uh, gainy but clear leads. You did a great job. Yeah, I I put a lot of thought into. Not every song has. A distortion pedal on the whole time but um i, I probably you know i love guitar pedals i've probably bought more distortion slash fuzz pedals than anything else i was feeling like there's a whole bunch of a uh, a whole bunch of pedal and the board sound going on i'm not i'm not trying to be mean-spirited when i say that either oh no yeah i i had to switch which for like dust explosion, I'm using really thick. I wanted to point that song out, so it's great yeah, that you already that got to it. Yeah, that one's very popular. Yeah, so that one's got really thick uh, fuzzes on it. But um, then for some of the other songs, like Business End or whatever, I couldn't use those same fuzzes because the chords are too weird for the fuzzes to handle. So I had to use different pedals on those songs. I've had a hard time in my life as a musician explaining why you can't just put gain on every yeah. type of chord. You uh -huh. can't just do it for every melody because it, it uh -huh. just creates like a blanket effect if you're not using it purposefully. Right. Yeah. Um, it. I. You know, well, like we met in that uh, My Bloody Valentine fan group. Oh, yeah. Great stuff. And I think I think people overestimate how much fuzz is on uh, shoegaze songs. 
I think a lot of times it's the chords they're playing because some of the chords they play, you couldn't put too much fuzz on it and still hear it. Yeah, um, I think there is a certain pop element that a lot of <laughs> a lot of shoegaze bands use, and I think the the fuzz is kind of sculpted to make the guitar brighter in a certain sense. It's not there to create like a real grit or something like that. Did you ever hear a Shonen Knife cover "When You Sleep" by My Bloody Valentine? I'm not familiar. I I do not know the the tune. So. The way they did it, they did it like a like um like late fifties, early sixties doo wop number. It's oh. it's like oh, like this is a pop song. Oh, it, that's underneath all the fuzz. That sounds wonderful. I, it uh, is. Yeah, I have to hear that. Thank you so much for telling me about yeah. this. This I'll is send a, you it to you. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I have guys like you around. You, you show me the <laughs> you show me the things that I never knew I needed. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I I really uh, I really enjoy the lyricism throughout the record, and I love how uh, I, I I think you have kind of a like how, how do I say this a community building tactic going on here, uh, as well like the we are Ben Chicken you are Ben Chicken, that that's very punk rock uh, egalitarian. I like that a lot. Well, so yeah, I mean, I guess hmm, that's. That's a great point. I think part of that was knowing that it it's a weird name. Like I have to explain it like every time I meet someone and tell them about the band. Yeah. It's like a lot of times, you know, like just recently someone asked me like, you ever going to bring chickens to your shows? And I'm like, why? <laughs> I'm like, oh, cause you think it's actually a chicken, right? Like it's, it's, an <laughs> it's an Australian slang term for their white ibises that they have there. Oh, okay. I, yeah, I had no clue about that. So thank yeah. you for telling me that. Right. I, I always forget how not obvious it is because to me, it's like I've been thinking about it for so long. It feels very obvious, but it's like, oh, right. I don't live in Australia. I have a whole ton of stuff like that because I just uh, I like a whole ton of old media. So I have a whole ton of old slang terms I can pull mm. out at any time. I like saying putting on the dog, which is like a like a phrase that probably hasn't been in vogue with younger people since the fucking 1910s or 1920s. And it means to kind of put yourself up a little bit, put some pomp into your appearance, you know, and, and uh, like it, it pops up in Scooby-Doo and other Hanna-Barbera huh. cartoons. And, <laughs> and, and it's because all those cartoons are being made by like white guys in their sixties who were like partying there. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> like during the pre-depression age, right? Having a great time, and then everything went downhill. <laughs> the swinging twenties. Yeah, yeah, the swinging twenties. That's when those guys were, you know, tit for tat. And we're back in them right now. Uh, yeah, that's one phrase you could use <laughs> for these swinging twenties. <laughs> no, I've not. I've not heard anybody be very celebratory about the tw- about these twenties in the same way. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Yeah. I guess uh, I guess it's just a matter of AI girl development. <laughs> right. Once once we get that figured out, everything else should fall into place. Yeah, yeah. Um, jazz will come back into popularity. I look forward to it. Um, if I could, let, before I forget, let me just backtrack to the the title track of the album. Yeah, totally. Um, so the and the band name and how those uh, play into each other. Um, so the bin chickens in Australia are like 
totally like they're pests. Like they steal food from picnickers. They eat out of garbage. You know, yeah. I would say trash can in Australia. They would say rubbish bin. Hence the name. Yeah. So they call them bin chickens, among other names, but mostly bin chickens. Among so, other names. I'm sure yeah, they no, do. I'm sure yeah. they do call them yeah. other names. <laughs> so, um, but they look almost exactly like the sacred ibis from Africa that the ancient Egyptians worshipped. So Thoth, the ancient Egyptian god, has the head of an ibis in most depictions. Okay. Very so cool. I just, I just thought it was really funny that our relationship with this animal has changed so much in the last several millennia. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Thank you. So it's, it's like a, it's like a weird, um, it's very emblematic of dualism, you know, it's just, it's very yin yang in a way. Yeah. I, I was not connecting that at all. I definitely was feeling some heavy themes going into it, but I, I really enjoy that. Thank you <laughs> so yeah. much for bringing that to the show. Today. Yeah. Thank you for giving me a platform to explain it. <laughs> well, how does that lead into the next uh, song on the record? Um, well, the album is not really a concept album. Um, even, not quite. The next, the next song is Pigman, right? The next song is Doing Business as the Bin Chicken Band. So oh, that's the that's the song we were just talking about. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, you could also say that that's a manner of, like, Soul Horizon is the introduction of the spirit. Yeah, Yeah, and then, like, you actually are introducing the band, and then that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that, that helps establish what the overall mood for the record is going to be. Right, I, I wanted to write, like, a theme song for the band. I love theme songs, too. Yeah. What uh, what were you trying to stress uh, when you were doing that? Like, what was the main goal when you were writing this type of theme song? Uh, I just wanted to, you know, talk about what the band was named after, and just, you know, not that every song we have is necessarily about dualism or conflicts, but um, a lot of them could be interpreted that way. So yeah, I just wanted to kind of with that song lay that aspect of our aesthetic out for people. Yeah, it's it's really great. I feel a little I feel a little bit of anarchy too throughout the record as well. I <laughs> uh, I feel like the record is well crafted, but you're also pushing certain sonic boundaries. And I, I really enjoy that. <laughs> I love the way the guitar and bass work together. They they kind of face off with each other on a certain level. Yeah, that, that took me a long time to um, work that aspect of it out. I, I played the bass on the record. And, uh, you know, when I was recording it, I would, like, go, okay, this is pretty good bass take for this song. And then, like, the next day, I would wake up with a better bass line playing in my head. And I'd go, ah, oh, I got to get over there. It's funny how inspiration works <laughs> that way, yeah. right? Yeah, uh-huh. Do, uh, do you wake up and, like, put like parts down that way a lot no it's that's just what i was doing uh last summer ah i don't i don't i don't record every day i record other people i know uh, i know from our conversations you've kind of had this in the bag for a moment as far as trying to get together and like trying to yeah where all the parts were pristine i think you've done an excellent job well thank you the time's paid off for sure yeah, I, I'm glad that um, 
the album ripened rather than festered in the time it's taken me to do it. Yeah, that's a big problem with a lot of creative projects. Some of them, yeah, some of them are better off being done quick. But I feel like this has <laughs> evolved in a way that's correct. I would definitely like to be faster in the future, but it's um, yeah. I mean, like I I wrote some of those songs when I was a teenager, and I still really like them. Oh wow! Yeah, you want you want to expand upon which songs you wrote when you were a teenager um, please it would be it would be doing business and pigman i was definitely a teenager when i wrote those and what was like the impetus you had as a teenager to make you write those well i was in a band at the time and i wanted to use the song the you know those riffs in that band and then i went to college and that band eventually just didn't really do anything anymore yeah so well, some of the songs are leftover riffs from an old band. Oh, yeah, yeah. You uh, you've had a long history playing in bands in Chicago, haven't you? I I suppose I have. Yeah, and uh, I I really enjoyed the other records I've heard you on. I was excited for a long time to hear this. You also put out like a two person live set before you put out this record as well, and that was excellent. Oh, um that open mic night we did is that yeah yeah you put it up yeah i i know i know maybe that's not like your favorite promotional thing but it sounded really good you don't have anything to feel bad about with that that was a really crazy last minute idea we played three songs and like those were the only three songs that could have worked in that format and uh i thought that was a ton of fun i was like wow like you know like i said it was a really last minute idea i never pictured doing that but I'd be very open to doing something like that again. Totally, you should. It recorded very well. You want to yeah. talk about your partner in crime who helps you kind of do most of the other work? So yeah, Tim is uh, the singer in our band. He was in the band that some of the songs were intended for back when I was in high school. I've oh, known... wonderful yeah. lineage. Yeah. Tim, I have known for 22 years. God damn, dude. I think. <laughs> Something are, like that. There are some people you just can't get rid of in life, huh? Right, right. It's, <laughs> you know, when we started to work on Bin Chicken, we hadn't worked on music with each other in a little while. And, like, I couldn't believe how easy it still was. Like, yeah, we, uh, we don't, we're not exactly the same people. Otherwise, it would be very boring to work together. But it's, we're on pretty similar wavelengths. Yeah, yeah. Um, who would you say is the more melodic of the two? Well, he he usually writes... Well, okay, that's a... Like, doing business, when I wrote that, originally I pictured the lyrics being a little more shouty when they were uh, going to be performed. And then when I gave him the lyrics, I I just kind of said, let's see what you can do, and... He he made it a lot more like punk croony. I always like to say that he's a punk crooner. Oh, like a like a Danzig type, or like an Iggy Pop, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. Uh, I I have a lot of fondness for that type of punk crooning. I uh, I love 
it's very weird to me how there's like this kind of punk alternative subculture that's also really into like balladry and old yeah. jazz and but it's also like a punk thing too it's like that stuff is just so not mainstream that it's actually uh-huh. really cool and it does have wonderful personality and i think like iggy pop always had such a great delivery there's always been complications with him as like a performing artist for me but still like what what a great presence (laughs) as a performer tim is like a expert on garage rock i yeah i mean Um, he he has such a wealth of knowledge of that stuff god those those goddamn stages records are so (laughs) like indelible like you can't get get away from them as rock artifacts i I oh yeah i love i love them so much um i especially love that remix raw power that's more a little better put together i mean i'm not saying so, <laughs> i i don't know a, a lot of people a lot of people think like the iconic mix is so great i just can't take it i never could my are it, you are you talking about the one that iggy mixed himself where everything is in the red the whole time no that's like the original mix isn't it yeah okay it, no i'm talking I about think, like the remixed one that had like much better separation I get confused about how many mixes there are of that because I know that there's, I know Iggy mixed it and he did like an insane mix. And then I think Bowie remixed it for the actual release. I get confused about the history of that I, one. Yeah, I can't remember. It's been so long since I've thought right. about it. I did not even right. intend to bring this up, but you said hey, Iggy whatever. Pop. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, it's uh, it's interesting to talk about Iggy Pop with someone because no one I know uh, listens to Iggy Pop. I uh, I used to really enjoy The Passenger as well. That's a, yeah. That's a very moody, wonderful record. Great bass line. Oh, God, yes. What a great bass line. Um, Bowie even has some like performing credits on those records and he, he mm. really shows his metal. Well, uh, the, the Iggy, uh, the Bowie song China girl was originally a song he wrote for Iggy pop. The, oh, the, Iggy, really? pop, the Iggy pop version is a lot um, darker sounding. Oh, I've never even heard that. I'm going to have to check that out. Thank you. Oh yeah. Oh that's, yeah. That's very cool. Do you, uh, I mean, I, I definitely feel like part of your mission as a band is to instill a sense of drama about working class life uh, that is very in vogue with what the Stooges were doing. Um, yeah, we've definitely, except it's a lot more 21st century with us. Like, I think, yeah, I'm, said, not, I'm not saying you're right. a throwback. I don't want you no, to. No, 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 no. Like, I, I think they've mentioned, um, you know, like they're from Detroit. I think they worked in a lot of factories back in the day. So, and I think that inspired their, um, like them getting so heavy was them working with machinery so much. And uh, yeah, I, I guess, you know, like working in offices and things is and on computers all day. It's like, yeah, let's use a drum machine, you know, we, you know, doing business is a doing business as that's a corporate term. I think you did a hell of a job making the drum machine sound heavy. Like, you know, there are a lot of bands who don't, who aren't capable of like bringing dynamics to a drum machine in the way that needs to be done to make it heavy. I'm surprised how many people have told, have heard the record and said to me that they didn't even notice that it was a drum machine because I, I, uh, when I recorded it, everything else was like running through a weird old amp and a fuzz pedal or whatever. So except for that. So I, I bought what's called a, a saturator, a hardware unit, that I ran the mix through when I was doing the drums. Okay. To, just to like add some, you know, color, extra, 
extra bite. Yeah, color, of yeah. course. Yeah, ex- absolutely. Can you uh, tell us what like the brand of that pedal is, or is that a series? It's a. Uh, it's an Aphex. Uh, what is what is it called? I can't remember right now. It's the thing that Aphex Twin is named after. Oh, okay. The Cyclone. No, it's an Aphex Exciter. What is it called again? Oh my that, goodness! That would I'm make gonna, sense. I'm, I'm gonna have to look it up because it. I definitely. It's not a trade secret. Yeah, um, you can go ahead. I can cut out like a little bit of time. No, no big deal. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oral exciter. Oral exciter. Okay. Oral yeah. A U. A U. Not O. <laughs> yeah, that's why I corrected myself, friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. I may edit this out, but you want to hear a pretty good uh, joke? Like I, I found through my dad. For sure. <laughs> what do you call? Two gay bobs. Um, I don't know. Oral Roberts. Oh my goodness! <laughs> is that a is that a televangelist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like right, yeah. okay. And like this was on a note he had. <laughs> yeah, this was on a note he had from a friend in high school, and <laughs> that was probably like 1982 or 1983. The height of satanic panic. Oh yeah! Fuck all that noise. <laughs> what nonsense. Uh did you did you watch the newer Stranger Things? I have not seen any Stranger Things. My a friend of mine kept telling me you have to watch season four, and I'm like, Well, I haven't seen season one. <laughs> it's fine. You know, it's good. <laughs> it's good for what it is. And uh I I definitely think there are issues that people can point out, but I definitely didn't have a problem with it from my own vantage point as entertainment and there were a lot of times I was really invested in what was going on. Is the show over? Uh, no, I think they're doing another season, but it's going to take a moment like it always does. I frequently like to watch shows once they're over for good so I don't have to get caught up. I, I watch a lot more movies than shows. There's times when, like, say I'm sick at home or something, and I and I'll say on Facebook, like, Hey, who's got some movie recommendations? No shows. And then people will say, oh, watch this show. All the episodes are as long as a movie. I'm like, that's exactly why I don't want to watch it. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I want to move on to something (laughs) else in two hours, you know? (laughs) Yeah, it does have long episodes. Though, admittedly, it does like have shorter seasons than Uh some other things. Got it. So that's a that's a evening out point as far as I'm concerned. I I totally feel you. I I lose a lot of time to television. I've lost so much time to television in my life. That's part of the reason I'm a fucking podcaster, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> feel that. Anyways, speaking about you liking movies, I feel like your music has some cinematic qualities as well. Do, do you intentionally do that here and there? Um. Well, I think. Like Pigman is a little bit of a horror story yeah, in a way. That makes uh, sense. We, we do a lot of narrative songs. Like we do a lot of like short story songs. It's not um yeah, like, you know, they they all have a little bit of a plot. Not all of them, but a lot of them. I I think I get that from uh they don't really sound like us, but I think I got that from liking the flaming lips so much. I uh Whenever I do narrative stuff, I always feel like I get it from Lou Reed. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a very different kind of storytelling than 
The Flaming Lips. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess the Flaming Lips, they're much more extravagant and uh, outlandish in like yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry if I'm, I'm I'm not trying to write off what you're saying. No, no. No, no, you're not. Yeah, you're not great. Doing that. I yeah. just Lou Reed is very much like um the seedy underbelly of New York where I I like more of like the the uh like, like David Lynch, seedy underbelly of small town America kind of storytelling. Yeah, but you also like I would say there's also fantasy in there too. Sure. Um, and I would also say maybe you have a little bit of William Burroughs kind of floating around in there. Um, I'm not terribly familiar with Burroughs. I know like Sonic Youth and Nirvana, who I love, love him, but I'm not terribly familiar with him himself. I I just kind of thought maybe like with your themes about like low lives <laughs> and these very uh and these turns of phrase you use that are often obscure, but seem to have the meaning they seem to have an intention and meaning that's easy to parse out as well if i had to say where i was getting that from i would say probably like albini and uh oh, david lynch i wanted to bring up albini uh big yeah. black i kind of figured that was part of what was going into this i definitely sensed a little bit of that in the way the guitars were recorded yeah Especially the when I don't have the pedals on, I, I try to have that kind of a clean tone. It's funny that those are the two influences I'm name-dropping because they're both people who grew up in Missoula, Montana and moved east for college. That's really weird, dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been there. I also wanted to mention like pavement and the pixies as well as that type of uh, that era okay. of songwriting. Okay, go ahead, please. People people point out the pixies to me pretty frequently, and I'm always like very flattered and also like, man, I gotta stop ripping off the pixies. <laughs> I don't think you rip them off. Yeah, I you know, know, I know. I, I don't I'm know. Just, you, you know, you can only do so much with a guitar. You don't have to put yourself down too badly, buddy. <laughs> I'm just surprised how often people do notice it. I'm always like, yeah, I'm being sneaky with that. And then people are like, oh, do you <laughs> like once the I played a show in April and someone came up to me like while I was breaking down and goes, do you like the Pixies? And I was like, oh man. <laughs> um, I was like, what gave it away? The one guitar solo. I'll tell you, uh, speaking of things that like people mention, mention to me as far as musical comparisons go, uh, people mention Donovan a lot to me whenever I've played out live or they've heard like old recordings I've done. And it's so funny. Like I barely like Donovan at all. And, uh, <laughs> uh, did, is he the guy that had the rivalry with Bob Dylan or something? It was like touted as that by some in the press, but it wasn't oh. really like that. Basically, what it was, people started calling him the like Irish Bob Dylan or something. Like oh, that. okay. Or maybe he's Scottish, or I, I think he's Scottish. Yeah, yeah, okay, maybe he's Scottish. Yeah, that. But people started calling him like the Scottish Bob Dylan, and uh -huh. he, <laughs> he just said. Uh, couldn't really do anything about it. Just like when uh, people started cl calling Eric Clapton God and he couldn't really do anything about it. It was just a thing that happened. A thing oh, he that probably kinda, loved that. Um, I'm, sure there, <laughs> I'm sure there was an element like as a young man when you're like 17 or 18 and people are calling you God that you're like, huh, maybe I am that fucking good. Yeah, he was really young and cream. 
in the uh, Yardbirds. Yeah, he was like 21 or 22 in Cream, and in the Yardbirds, I think he was like 19 to 20. And then that before sounds that, about right. Yeah, before that, he'd been playing like at open mic nights around London and making a name for him sh- himself. Though I've heard a really really funny story from some guy who was an insider to that whole uh, pre-British invasion club scene. Oh yeah, he. He said that Clapton could not play a slow blues for a long time, and mm. that everything he did was a very fast uh, Otis Rush thing. You know what I'm saying? Like a very kind of up, like uptown Chicago thing. Like that's all he could do for a long time, and I I found that very illuminating. I, it is easier to play faster than to play slow. It, it's um, I have this yeah. argument with musicians all the time when I tell them I want them to slow down because they yeah. keep it's so easy for them to lose tempo. Yeah, I mean, when you're playing slow, like you're really, really like in the spotlight, so to speak. You know, it's it's really like mistakes are a lot more noticeable when you're playing fast. They go right by you in a you know a mile a minute, but playing slow like they're gonna linger i've seen bands that have never played slow and i thought they played terribly but bands respond to them (laughs) bands respond to them because they play fast i mean yeah some people want to go out and get pumped up and uh, sometimes the opposite do you know do you know the artist midwife i have a vague understanding of who they are you'll probably have to fill in quite a bit of context she was probably the most quiet artist I have ever seen perform live. And she was opening for the body who were so loud. Weird. Yeah. I was like, that makes some sense because they both have a, you know, a little bit of an electronic atmospheric thing going on there, but I've never seen a bigger jump in volume between sets. It was, it was a pretty interesting night. I uh, I think it's so funny, like a lot of people around me have complained about how loud I am as a musician when I'm like <laughs> <laughs> playing in my home or something. Yeah. And then I go out and I have to deal with other people and it's like, no, I am not a loud musician. I am a very, very quiet, clean musician compared to so many people that <laughs> work out. <laughs> I was I, I had this show in a little club in Bloomington one time, and it was the type of bar where you gotta walk down a small staircase to go into it. It's in the basement of some big oh. building. And we got done playing and we had our little uh like 30 watt amplifiers uh-huh. my buddy had his like unmiked <laughs> drum kit and you know it was just enough to fill up the room and then we get off the next band they bring their giant cabs in <laughs> the drummer like okay we probably had a, a six-piece kit at the most we were using uh-huh. for our drums and their drummer brought in like a 12 or 14 piece kit and it had all these symbols <laughs> and man we were we were outside putting our junk into the car and we just heard this drummer and it was just like this earth-shaking rattle <laughs> and heavy metal uh I think they were more along the lines of like a hardcore punk band. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And they had they had that big of a kit for that genre? Yeah, it was really wild. Yeah. I don't even I don't even think he used most of it. I think he just wanted it there to create noise oh. if he felt like it. Yeah. See, 
when people say hardcore, I never know if they're talking about like um like black flag or like knocked loose. It's it's like those it's are a, such different things. It's probably closer to something like knocked loose. It's, it's okay. Not, not black flag for sure. Well well that that like knocked loose kind of hardcore definitely did develop out of um like some of the weirder things Black Flag was doing, but I didn't always that's not very obvious unless you like look up what bands were. And I'm sorry that I'm not going to be able to name any examples, but there are like things where they kind of transitioned into that. It's like, okay, friend. This, this isn't punk. This is metal. Like, why are they calling this hardcore? This is just death metal. But yeah, it's um, that's such for, a for sure. Thing. And I guess uh, that would probably be a thing too. It, it's bordering. <laughs> it's bordering on like a genre. It actually isn't. Like I remember thinking, like I thought this. I thought this was like a punk band. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> People are like, oh, like, listen to this hardcore band. I'm like, cool, I love Minor Threat. And then it's like, bleh. I'm like, what? Let me let me tell you something. Let, let me ask you something. How do you uh, how do you label your own music? How do you feel your own music should be labeled? Oh, no. Um, <laughs> I, I would just call us a punk band. I think I've, I've written in our bio that we are Chicago's premier drum machine fuzz punk band. I'm not really trying to say that that is an actual genre, but that's just like a descriptive term for, you know, people yeah. who want to do a write-up or book us on a show or whatever. And it gives but, you a little bit of edge in terms yeah. of like what you're talking about. It's not quite the just a blank slate. Yeah, but I, I think realistically, um, we're really just a punk band. We dip our toes into some other genres here and there, but uh, you know, as far as I can tell, even when we're playing a jazz song or a doom metal song, we sound like punks doing that, I think. Yeah, and I think a lot of the problem with some punk artists is that they're too dependent on the idea that that revolution is in a three chord pop song or uh, something like that and i i i really don't think that matters anymore i think punk is uh is as much about your politics as far as your presentation of the music goes as it is like your what you're playing yeah it, i've always liked it as an idea more than as a practice it's like when people get orthodox i mean i don't even know anyone like this anymore but when people get like orthodox about how punk has to sound it's like Come on, that's that's so ridiculous. Yeah, and I also feel like punk and rap were so intermingled for a long time when I was growing up. That really, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of the like punk people I knew were super into rap as well, and that became a it became a thing to where a lot of those guys like have this uh, <laughs> like almost ska sounding type uh, thing oh, going on, but okay. it isn't ska. It's harder than that. Sure. Uh, like leftover crack, kind of. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Um, sure. you know, I, I personally, it doesn't do a whole lot for me. I'm not trying to put down anybody in particular or put down a whole genre in particular. <laughs> yeah, ska has some. It just has some like political identity issues that always put me off. And on top of that, when I was a teenager, this, I knew a dude that was just so into Sublime, and that that pretty much ruined whatever love or nostalgia <laughs> I have for that band. I like a handful of Sublime songs, but there was one time when I was young where I was um, I had a headache, and America's Funniest Home Videos was on, and they have that ska theme song. Oh, I hate that like, thing. Almost every other 
you know, the ska bands that aren't sublime, they all sound more like that theme song. <laughs> yeah. So, so when I hear like the horn sections where it's all like upbeat like that, I'm like, oh man, remember that headache? <laughs> so yeah, I mean, maybe I would have loved ska if that didn't happen, but I don't. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was an incredible story. 